This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slade. It is a great day to save some money and to use technology wisely and to live a more sustainable life. I'm Tim Eccles, the host of Energy Matters, and we've got an exciting show today to talk about repurposing. And with me, as always, my co-host from Decatur, Georgia, Casey Boyce. How's it going, Casey? I'm good. Good morning to you, Tim. And uh, all the way from um, Colorado, Damon Carson, and uh, an expert in repurposing. Hey, Damon, how's it going out there? Good. Blue skies out here in Colorado this morning. Man, I love going to Colorado where you can look at that mountain range. What do you call that? Front range? What do you call it when you look over there and you see those mountains? Yep. Uh, the front range, Denver, Fort Collins, Colorado Springs. So you have it correct. I'm sitting looking out my window at the fading snow on the snow-capped Rocky Mountains. Well, that's fantastic. I spent some time in Fort Collins. Not much, a couple summers. And uh, we just uh, loved being out there. What a great place to be in the summertime. Uh, Casey Boyce, uh, repurposing, kind of like recycling, but better, uh, I think. Uh, We're going to hear all about it today because there's a lot of things that are made uh, and that companies buy, that institutions buy, that people buy, that they wind up not using. And uh, so, Damon, let's just get into this. Um, What is the difference between recycling and repurposing? So, Our definition, I don't know if it's a working definition, but it's the one I use. Recycling is chip it, shred it, grind it, melt it. So you think about paper, you grind it up. You think about scrap metal, you melt it. So, again, chip it, shred it, grind it, melt it. Um, Repurposing, by contrast, is on the reuse side of reduce, reuse, recycle. Uh, Reuse is you take it as is and reuse it as is. And repurposing is just an offshoot of that. It's just in a second life, you do something very different when than its first life application. You know, I, 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 uh, Casey, I, I think the thing that comes to my mind, my dad was born in Hampton, Georgia, not too far from Atlanta Motor Speedway. There was a big barn on his family's property. And it was a, it was a good while ago. But my dad said, you're not going to believe this. They took down the entire barn and they are reusing he didn't use the word repurpose but they're reusing this wood to make floors and other things and it was an old barn probably 50 years old but they were repurposing uh, that and that's only the beginning Casey yeah and and you know it's interesting we were up uh, visiting some friends who have a, a place on Lake Lanier a couple of weeks ago and they've been getting these old pallets uh, and, you know, pulling them apart and building uh, material, you know, shelves. They even have a, a dining room table that they've built with this old pallet wood. It's nice aged wood. It looks really cool. And, you know, Damon, you hit on something that, that I think is important to kind of set out there for our listeners, the, the reduce, reuse, recycle uh, kind of grouping, right? Um, so, you know, the first thing is, is reduce. And, and these are all in order of priority, right? So if you go to the the grocery store or Walmart or whatever, and you look at laundry detergent, it's all concentrate now. And the reason that they do that is that it's reducing the amount of packaging for the amount of cleaning power you get. Um, so that that's kind of one example of that reduce. What you're doing, Damon, and, and you know what you'll be talking about the show is is reusing. And it doesn't take a whole lot of energy to reuse, right? So you know, just like uh, the barn wood or or my friend's pallets or you know some of the more interesting stuff, Damon, that your company handles, you don't have to do anything other than than find another use for it. And then recycling that that chip it, melt it, shred it uh, that that you talked about that takes energy to do, right? So it's better than new raw materials, but it still is more involved than um, than reuse or reducing, right? Uh, correct. I, the, there's lots of waste hierarchies, they call them in the sustainability field. And reuse is actually number one because they don't technically do the, the reduce one. But yeah, reuse is better. Uh, Recycling is a little bit better than landfill. And, you know, it goes down. So nothing wrong with recycling. Lots of things can't get reused. So it's better to chip shred grind melt but you know if you can reuse it if it has value as is 
that's always the most environmentally friendly option for Second Life or end of life. Yeah, and I always look forward to your newsletter that you send out, Damon. I mean, I'm a, I'm a PSC commissioner in the state of Georgia, right? So I regulate energy, and I really don't have anything to do with 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 waste per se, other than that, you know, I you know try to live a more sustainable life. I'm very involved with recycling, and and I try to repurpose when I can. But your newsletter always makes me think out of the box because it seems like there's hardly a thing that's made that you haven't figured out how to repurpose. I mean, you've got some, you know, I think your last newsletter, y'all were, y'all were cutting up some artificial turf off of a football field and repurposing the artificial turf, right? Yeah, so that's one of the things that gets a second life, a repurpose. Um, I appreciate the compliment, but I think you're being a little too kind because, you know, repurposing, you, we don't solve all the problems, but certainly with particular products and a, and a slice of America's Waste Stream are good candidates for repurposing. And we can go through that if you want to in a, in, in a, in a little bit. But um, yeah, it's just crazy. All the uh, resourceful, innovative customers in America, often another ingredient is they're frugal. They want to save money, but they figure out how to reuse these products and save themselves a bundle. And a lot of times they get the same output end result. So again, I we're just a middleman, a dreaded word in America, but I am we owe this whole company to the the resourceful people that are have become our customer base. So Damon, before we get into the specifics of the kinds of things your company handles and and the uses to which they're put, how did you get into this business? I mean, I had never even heard of it before we started talking here this morning. How did you get here? Um, well, do you want the long journey or the the right before journey that I started this company? Yeah, let's take the five minute journey. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> the five minute. Well, I can probably do it in three minutes. So, right out of college, I went to the ski resorts Vail and Breckenridge to be a ski bum. A couple years later, I bought a trash company, traditional roll off trash company that serviced the construction development industry, hauling all the two by fours and broken glass and stuff to the landfills. And I became very familiar. You get to the landfill, you tip the 40 yard dumpster back and out slides the trash and go, well, that's a perfectly good two by six. That's a perfectly good window. Wow. It's in brand new wrapping and never even got installed, but you couldn't really grab it. You had to get onto the next account to dump the next dumpster. So that was one silo became very familiar with the waste in America Second silo, unrelated, as I personally have the used mentality. I'm looking out the window at my $225,000 or 225,000-mile Ford truck that I bought with 180,000 miles. Um, I'm sitting here doing this interview in used cowboy boots that I bought at a thrift store, so I'm just a used guy. Um, so those two worlds collided, unrelated business that I owned in 2010, a guy came in, was doing some high-end airbrush subcontract painting for us, and he was walking out. He does a lot of also subcontracting in the advertising industry, and he made the comment, if you ever get a chance to buy an old billboard vinyl from the sides of the highway that say Budweiser, Chevrolet, Coca-Cola, they make a great drop cloth in a second life. And both those worlds that I previously mentioned just kind of came together, and it's like, Wow. There's all kinds of used materials, obsolete cast-offs of corporate America that can get a productive second life or a repurpose. So that's kind of how we got here. Hey, you know the used billboard, uh, these vinyls, uh, they're, they're quite large. Casey, our campaign when I ran for office, we couldn't afford very many billboards, but we had a couple. And I made sure to tell the, the billboard company look, when you pull that off, I want to come by and pick it up. So what'd you so do with them? I actually, I actually have the billboard, uh, the vinyl billboard folded up and in my garage now. <laughs> and when I run again in 2022, um, we'll unfold it and it'll be strapped back onto a, a billboard somewhere and it'll save me five or $600. <laughs> so if I could jump in, that is perfect to illustrate the difference between reuse and repurposing you will put that back up as a billboard and the the advertisement on the front your election campaign 
So you're going to reuse it. Our customers would take that and make a hay tarp out of it or a slip and slide for kids. That would be the repurpose of that same billboard. So that's an interesting segue where we got to, you know, you're going to reuse it. If, if I get it at end of life, I'm going to find a repurpose buyer. So I hope that kind of lets the listeners in on how to define those two different terms. Although they're closely related, they're, in our minds, they're different. You know, Damon, I was thinking the exact same thing, the Tim Eccles slip and slide. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Let's just make sure that we have the letter side up. So as people are slipping, they're seeing my name (laughs) as opposed to the plain side right on the bottom. (laughs) So, um, you know, one of the things that I want to do when we come back, um, Casey, is I want to go into some of these particular products that Damon has had a chance to repurpose. So maybe we can take seven or eight of the things that, you know, that most people would have probably thrown away. Uh, But Damon has figured out how to how to repurpose it. And then, Damon, I want to get into how is it that you put the donator uh, in, in our next segment, the donator with the donee who's, uh, who's going to actually say, okay, I'll take that, that old billboard and I'll figure out how to use it. So y'all stick around. In fact, why don't you go to Matters Radio, our Twitter feed, or me at Tim Eccles, or Casey Boyce on Twitter, and and why don't you look at some of the things that we're going to put up that Damon's done. Stick around. We're going to be right back with Damon Carson and talk about repurpose and reuse. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make. Like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. BMVW is the place in Metro Atlanta to get your used hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or fully electric car. They're located on the south side near the airport, but it is well worth the drive. Go online to look at their inventory at ev-hybrid.com and set up a time to see the vehicle or even drive it for up to three days. I don't know of anywhere else in Metro Atlanta that you can do that. That's ev-hybrid.com, the best deal in town. ev-hybrid.com, ev-hybrid.com. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold, Golden, and Gregory, an AMLAW 200 law firm with 180 attorneys in Atlanta and Washington, D.C. They take a business sensibility approach when advising clients. They provide industry knowledge, attention to detail, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG subscribes to the belief not if, but how. We thank John Gornall and all the attorneys and staff at AGG for sponsoring our show. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. We're back on Energy Matters. We are talking repurposing, reusing, recycling. Uh, I guess in my evangelical speak, it would be being a good steward of all this entrusted with you. Casey Boyce, important topic, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, something that's really core to a lot of what's happening with sustainability efforts uh, with companies. Um, and really excited to be talking with Damon today about what he's doing as, as kind of that intermediary between folks that have used the materials and folks who are, are getting ready to reuse them. Um, and certainly something that individuals can look to do as well. You know, I don't know how I found out about Damon's work. I just started getting an email. I guess I signed up for it. Uh, maybe I saw something about repurposing and I started getting his emails. I look at his emails uh, and then I reached out to him on uh, on LinkedIn. He's at Damon Carson on LinkedIn. Uh, and I said, man, I got to have you on our show because we talk all things sustainability. And this whole idea of repurposing uh, items that would normally have been discarded and folks, I'm telling you, you're not going to believe some of the things that Damon has repurposed. So, Casey, I think 
I think in this segment, I want us to dive into some of the things that Damon has, has, has received. And Damon, I guess we can start with most recently what you've got in stock that you're trying to get rid of uh, and, and find a home for. Tell us about some of the things out there right now sitting in one of your four repurposing yards. Uh, one of our staples, we call it, is fire hose. We have did a four-truckload, four-truckload deal of used fire hose, decommissioned fire hose from fire departments. Again, they pressure test it and or they have each fire department says, hey, we'll leave this on a truck five years, seven years, whatever. And when they come to the end of that period of time, they replace the fire hose. What's funny to me is yesterday we would have fought a five-alarm fire, but we hit the magic five-year mark, and today we're taking it all off the truck, and it's obsolete to us. Um, so that comes into our warehouse, and like I said, to have four truckloads and all kinds of creative repurpose users uh, come up with ways to, to use this fire hose in a, in a very different way other than fighting a fire. So do you have some examples? Yeah, tell us, give us some examples of how a fire hose has been reused before, repurposed Probably one of the big reasons or ways is they put it around boat docks. They string it up like Christmas lattice candy, if you get that mental picture, the hard candy at Christmas time. So they'll make a loop, screw it into the, the wood, make another loop, screw it into the wood, and it it acts as a poor man's boat dock bumper. So that's, that's a common way. Another uh, hmm. popular application or repurpose is... They'll cut the ends off, cut it into three foot, six foot, nine foot links. And then if you have a high value, expensive crane cable or lifting thing, instead of that getting torn up with sharp edges of metal or wood or whatever you're lifting, they'll use the fire hose as a sock or a sleeve. And then that, in that case, the cheap but tough fire hose takes the abuse and not your expensive sling. So... You know, those are a couple of popular repurposes for old fire hose. Yeah, great. What else is sitting in your yard right now available? Always have a bunch of used conveyor belt from the mining industry. It's it's a rubber, anywhere from a half inch to up to inch and a half thick. During its first life, it conveys coal, aggregate, rock, stone, sand. Um, it's a wear part, so it gets thinner and thinner. Eventually, it gets to a level that they want to change it out because again it's a wear part so these rolls of rubber could be 24 inch 36 inch we've had them as wide as 72 inches Um, they can be hundreds of feet long we've got several thousand plus feet rolls of this rubber Uh, we have one roll here right now that weighs 22,000 pounds and there's all kinds of secondaries so a rancher cattle rancher in the Dakotas Montana will erect it vertically as fencing to block the wind uh, from his cattle, so a windbreak. A excavation company might take those if they're driving their bulldozers or excavators across pavement or concrete. They'll take that used conveyor belting, cut it, and they'll throw it across the concrete and use that as a track padding so their heavy equipment doesn't tear up the concrete. So again, two very different afterlifes for a product that's obsolete to the mining and quarrying industries. Hey, KC, I'm going to give you a spontaneous quiz right now. And I think Uh-oh. I think you're going to get this. And to our audience, I haven't talked to KC about this. KC, you know that this fall we're doing the EV performance corral at Road Atlanta, which you have been admitted with your I-3 into because of your diligent appeal. Um, uh, thanks to our Twitter listeners yeah, on that, by Twitter the way. Our Twitter listeners got you in. <laughs> Because uh, there's only going to be 65 cars in there, and you're going to be one of them. Um, but, Casey, there's something that goes around the edges at Road Atlanta that is repurposed. Do you know what it is? Oh, boy. It has to do with safety. Safety of drivers who have wrecks. Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking it's either the Armco or the, uh, the all the gravel that they put in in the runoff areas. And, and Tim's shaking his head no. So I, you've got okay, me, Tim. Think, I don't think know. a little further. Think you're okay. driving your car. You're going at speed. You spin out on turn three, and you're going mm-hmm. to be going into the wall at 100 miles an hour. What's going to save your life? 
Well, I'm not a terribly religious man, but the good Lord. Yeah, well, that's a, I love that answer. Damon, let's come to you for your bonus points. What will save Casey's life? Well, you've got me uh, running through my mind. I would say steel guardrail off the highways. All right, guys, I'm, I'm surprised. Tires, used tires. Ah, uh, used tires, that are, of course. That are stacked up. <laughs> And they have some give to them. So when you hit them, they, they have a little shock absorber effect. And, and they've got these triple, double stacked against a cement wall to keep you from going into. I mean, Damon, is that, is that classic repurposing right there? I would say that's very classic repurposing. As it relates, we sold about 2,000 feet about two months ago of conveyor belt to the Daytona International Speedway for this exact repurpose well so they wanted to wrap their tire stacks in something to to contain the tires so when somebody hit them they just didn't all fly and they had to you know yellow flag or red flag the race to restack the tires so they would stack the tires in triangles and stuff and then they wrapped conveyor belt around the stacks to contain them in the event that they got crashed into wow Hmm. all right damon what else you got sitting on your yard out there right now uh, gym floor is a popular one. Uh, used gym floors, used bowling alley wood, so two athletic discards. People use them primarily architecturally. So they become um, tabletops, bar tops, etc. Um, you think about maple, uh, which is both gym floors and a lot of bowling alley wood, but bowling alley wood is about two inches thick, the lanes. And so a lot of guys will use that for workbenches. In fact, we just sold a couple of pieces of bowling alley wood to Facebook out in the Silicon Valley because they wanted some heavy-duty workbenches for one of their projects. So again, it's present in its first life. You think about what it did for 20, 30, 40 years. It took heavy abuse from bowling balls. And if you've ever seen some uh, amateur bowlers, some people actually throw the ball up in the air and that 12, 13, 14-ounce ball drops. So again, very, very tough wood for life number one, makes all kinds of possibilities for life number two. So Damon, I'm curious, Tim's been asking you about what you've got in your yard right now. What are some of the strangest things you've seen come through your yard? Well, I, after a while, you don't view them as strange. You view them as very interesting. Uh, (laughs) A fun one that I, I often get asked, I do a lot of speaking around the country, you know, what's one of your favorite repurposes? So this is a few years ago. So Cox Cable, or no, it was Comcast, Comcast Cable, they called and said, we have a bunch of four inch thick, four foot by four foot concrete blocks or pads. And these were originally, they would sit these out in the subdivisions. They would set their telecommunication equipment on it. They drilled holes to run conduit out to each individual home. And they called us and said, hey, would you be able to keep these out of the landfill? And I said, well, I, we have as good a chance as any. Sure, we'll take, I think it was two truckloads. So we put it in the, mention, or the newsletter that Tim mentioned. And I don't know, it was, it was two to three, four weeks. We had a trucking company that called us and said we'll take all of them and I'm like okay great love it what in the world is a trucking company going to do with all these concrete pads and you have to understand this was a Denver trucking company said well on windy days when we go to Wyoming our trucks are very light because there's not a lot of population in Wyoming so we don't have much freight and if you've ever been to I-80 I-25 in Wyoming the wind can just howl. He said, we put, we will put that concrete on our trucks to act as weight or ballast to keep our trucks from blowing over on those windy days. And I just thought, I mean, that's, wow. that's just brilliant. Wow. Just brilliant. Well, when we come back, I want to go into more detail on some of these things that, uh, some of these strange things that Damon has uh, had come through his yard to talk about um, repurposing. We hope that you'll go to our Twitter feed. He's at Casey Boyce. I'm at Tim Eccles. Uh, and um, maybe you've repurposed some things and you want to show us and we'd love to brag about you. So, hey, stick around. We're going to be right back and we're going to talk more with Damon Carson about reusing and repurposing. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters.
Creative Solar USA is a Georgia-based turnkey installer of innovative solar panel systems. They're dedicated to energy solutions for both your home and business. With their NABCEP certified installers, they ensure their clients receive the highest quality of solar energy systems in the industry. Contact CSUSA today at 770-485-7438 or go to creativesolarusa.com. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. We talk all the time on Energy Matters about buying a used EV instead of a new one. Let someone else pay the depreciation. BMVW Auto Sales, one of our show sponsors, can fix you up. Go to their website at ev-hybrid.com to see the ever-changing inventory. BMVW has every brand, every type of EV, and they'll even let you test drive it for three days, show you how to charge it and drive it for maximum performance. That's ev-hybrid.com. ev-hybrid.com. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by BMVW Auto Sales. COVID-19 has changed everything, even buying a car. BMVW Auto Sales, one of our show sponsors, not only sanitizes every car, but you can buy it online and they'll trailer it to your home anywhere in Georgia and surrounding states. They've used electric cars, plug-in hybrids, and traditional hybrids. Check out the inventory at ev-hybrid.com. That's ev-hybrid.com. They have a three-day loaner period as well if you want to make sure electric works for you. Check them out at ev-hybrid.com. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. We're back. Casey Boyce, my co-host in Decatur. Casey, how's it going? I'm good. This is a great conversation, Tim. How are you this morning? Yeah, man, I, I, I tell you, I'm a big proponent of recycling and reusing, repurposing. But uh, Damon uh, Carson is with us, and he's opening my eyes to, to show me just how much I have to learn. I mean, K, Casey, a lot of the... A lot of the grocery bags that I carry into my local grocery store to buy my groceries because I don't use their plastic bags, a lot of it is, you know, recycled or sometimes I am repurposing, right? Sometimes I'm taking, you know, the grocery bag that's being used for Aldi and I'm going in public with it, right? So in in some kind of strange way, I'm, you know, I I guess I'm reusing that. Um, But I want to get back into... Uh, what Damon is doing, and and Damon, we've talked about some of the things that you have on your yard. Casey was asking about some of the strange things that you have brokered, and that's really kind of what what you are. It seems you're a sustainability broker. Um, give us give us another example of something strange that came in that you, even you thought, man, I don't see how this could be used, but all of a sudden you found a way. So it's ironic because right out my window, I just saw one of them leave on a flatbed semi, so I can tell you that story. So we had a, again, I sit in Denver. We had a water pipe diverting water out of the mountains to the city of Denver's water stream. They had a big 72-inch diameter, 6-foot diameter steel pipe that carried fresh water over a river. And it was time, you know, probably been up there 20, 30 years, and it was time to replace that. The engineers got a hold of us and said, could you repurpose this instead of sending it to the metal recycler to be melted down? Of course, they could have done that. But again, environmentally friendly, if you can reuse or repurpose. So they cut it into 40-foot links, 6-foot diameter, 40-foot links. We brought it in, and the one I just saw out my window is going to Kansas to a construction company that's going to use it in a second life as a culvert pipe underneath uh, a bridge. So again, life number one is a water pipe over a river. End of life comes. Most people, especially with metals, stainless steels, aluminums, just automatically think recycling, which again, nothing wrong with that. But why cut up and melt down a 72-inch diameter pipe when there's somebody else, if given time and a marketing effort, can reuse that, repurpose it. So there's a another big industrial example of repurposing, uh, I guess, on steroids. You mentioned the bags at the grocery store. A lot of people repurpose Ziploc bags and, you know, what I would call residential scale, which is great, perfect. We just do it at scale, at the industrial scale level. So, Damon, the, the companies that, um, you know, kind of provide your raw materials, right, the end-of-life stuff that you're talking about, 
Why are they coming to you instead of recycling or instead of just landfilling it? Like, like it seems like there's a, a bit more involved in getting it to your yard and then having it go on to live a, a, another life. Um, certainly something that we'd want to, you know, encourage. But but why are companies seeking you out for, you know, their, their waste stream? I think it's twofold. I think, again, metal recycling, obviously, they could get some money for it. Um, so we typically pay more than a scrap metal yard. So there's financial incentive in that case. If it is a non-recyclable, which many, many of our products are non-recyclable, there's a very real cost to, to throwing stuff away, tipping fees. So cost avoidance is money in that source's pocket. And then I think that's number one, the, the economics of it. But I think probably as big or bigger is just companies more and more and each company is different and has different mandates and corporate cultures but it's not cool to landfill stuff anymore and people expect the companies they buy from to take their waste and handle their waste in the most environmentally friendly way and of course we provide one of those outlets options. That's great. So for our listeners, if, if there's anyone that uh, works for a company and, and handles waste streams, um, how can they how can they find you? How can they get in touch with you? Yeah, so they can just go to our website. It's probably the easiest way. Repurpose Materials Inc. I-N-C, repurposematerialsinc.com. Um, they can reach out via phone. There's a form that you can fill out, send pictures of your waste stream. And we, I, start reviewing the waste streams for potential deal making. Sounds good. And I'm guessing that uh, folks can sign up for your informative and exciting newsletter at that same yeah, website. Is I that correct? I think if they go to that website, they some people view them as obnoxious pop-ups, but some people view them as kind. But a pop-up should appear and yeah, you can just fill out your information, your email and get us on a couple of times a week newsletter where we just explore all the waste streams, all the things reasons why things are obsolete to primary industry and then creative end users who find a second life or a repurpose for those waste streams. So, Casey, I, it might be cool for us to kind of play 20 questions with Damon, and let's let's think of some things that you and I know that we absolutely cannot think of a way to repurpose it. I bet you Damon can, right? So I'm thinking about Damon, um, and we didn't have this plan, so I'm just putting you on the spot here. Um, Damon, what about something like the an escalator you know and when an escalator is decommissioned or something closes and you've got that i guess it's on some kind of conveyor belt right is it one long piece of metal i mean is there a way to reuse escalator material yeah i think the one that's common um, is the handrail that we're all very so we're not familiar with the guts underneath because we can't see it but we've all every listener in the audience has touched the black handrail 10 times, 100 times, 500 times in their life at airports, shopping malls, etc. So yeah, it's it's just generic, versatile, adaptable. That hand railing um, makes a great boat dock bumper. So we've talked about the fire hose for that application, but I, the, the hand railing is similarly repurposed on boat docks. You know, recently I saw in your newsletter some glass that uh, had... It was glass that had been pre-cut with some holes in it, um, I guess, for a specific use. How did you, you know, what was that glass originally for? And how was it that you kind of thought, okay, we can cut this differently. We can use it for office partitions, different things like that. Tell us about, tell us about glass that you've received. So glass is a very, very fascinating waste stream in America. First off, it is very limited recycling and it's very you almost have to pay to get rid of glass so there's no natural monetary outlet for surplus obsolete wrong glass in the case of these doors that you're talking about um, it's tempered glass so tempered glass cannot be cut it's just part of you know it'll just shatter if you try to cut it so if it's 40 inches by 60 inches and it has three holes in it for door hardware it's that way Till the end of time so we had a and this is a waste story so half of the fascination of this business is the screw-ups in corporate america and the reasons they call us i often joke with people when we get the call somebody very well may have got fired because of the amount of dollars the mistake cost a company so 
these glass doors, these glass panels you're talking about, was a design for a Washington, D.C. law firm. The designer misread the blueprints and thought that the blueprints was um, after drywall when, in fact, the measurements were before drywall. So all this glass, as I recall, it was like $60,000, $70,000 worth of glass was all made five-eighths, five-eighths inch too tall. But it was rendered obsolete because oh, once man. you put the drywall in, they don't fit. And it was it was a terrible mistake, extremely costly mistake. But and again, what's interesting too about corporate waste, in that case it's not even it was never even used. It wasn't even installed. But it was still waste to them. Uh, more and more, my definition over ten years has, has broadened. Waste is anything that's obsolete to corporate America. Many, many times we get a call, brand new unused product. We used to sell pink, now we sell red. We don't want the pink ones anymore. Well, what's wrong with them? Nothing. They're still in the box. We just sell red ones now, so we don't want the pink ones. So it's 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 fascinating and I would say aggravating at the same time how wasteful America is. But what about the doors? What did, what did you use the doors for? Well, that's a continuing saga. Um, I just sold our first crate. I think we got 10 or 12 crates. So the before and after, which is one of the magic marketing pieces of this business, I don't really have the after stories yet because it's too new. It's too real time. Um, wow. And so that's part of the fun of this business is we don't – so like those glass doors, those glass panels – we always joke. We bring it in. We have no idea. I, I often say I don't have to get on a plane and fly to Las Vegas to gamble. I get to sit at my office desk and gamble on materials every day. And with those glass doors, we don't know if it's going to be a cranberry farmer in Wisconsin, a copper miner in Arizona, or a golf course superintendent in Florida that's going to raise their hand and say, oh, my gosh, that glass fits perfectly for an application at our cranberry bog. I mean, those are the great after stories. You just asked me about a particular waste stream that's so new that I don't yet have the after story. Wow. This should inspire us here in Georgia to want to do more repurposing, reusing, and less refuse and less recycling. Stick around. I'm Tim Eccles. We'll be back. Creative Solar USA is a Georgia-based turnkey installer of innovative solar panel systems. They're dedicated to energy solutions for both your home and business. With their NABCEP certified installers, they ensure their clients receive the highest quality of solar energy systems in the industry. Contact CSUSA today at 770-485-7438 or go to creativesolarusa.com. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. We talk all the time on Energy Matters about buying a used EV instead of a new one. Let someone else pay the depreciation. BMVW Auto Sales, one of our show sponsors, can fix you up. Go to their website at ev-hybrid.com to see the ever-changing inventory. BMVW has every brand, every type of EV, and they'll even let you test drive it for three days, show you how to charge it and drive it for maximum performance. That's ev-hybrid.com. ev-hybrid.com. Energy Matters would like to thank GasSouth for its support of the show. GasSouth has a no-deposit policy and offers some of the lowest per-therm rates in the state. Use the promo code MATTERS for a special deal. GasSouth, the difference is good. We interrupt this episode of Energy Matters to take you outdoors. On the road again. This is Tim Eccles, and we are on Jekyll Island at the Convention Center with my friend Ben Carswell, who is the Sustainability Director for Jekyll Island Authority. It's great to have you on Energy Matters today. Thanks a lot. Great to be with you, Tim. There's so many cool things going on down here uh, on Jekyll Island, from all the sand that I see being brought in, the mitigation or remediation. You can talk to us about that. The, the landfill solar that you guys have done, uh, and, and probably a whole lot of other projects I'm unaware of, uh, including the museum, which I'm going to be going in in just a bit. 
So I wanted you to kind of take me through maybe the top three things to you personally that you feel like are kind of a crowning achievement of some of the things that that your team is doing uh, and why it's important and maybe some of the challenges involved. So what would you say would be number one? Wow. Well, yeah, Jekyll is um, – anybody that knows Jekyll Island has, knows that we, we've uh, – been through a period of of, uh, of change and and uh, and kind of rebirth um, over the past uh, 10 15 years um, that all kind of started back in 2008 with the Georgia Sea Turtle Center which was a big game changer for us and from that point on Jekyll Island Authority has really stepped up and and really owned our, our stewardship mission uh, passed a, a comprehensive conservation plan in 2011 and then I was hired on as director of conservation uh, to implement that plan and have been working hard on it ever since. So lately, uh, a lot of things going on. You mentioned the um, the uh, shoreline project, uh, which we refer to as the, the revetment project. Uh, a lot of folks around here are familiar with the what's uh, commonly called the Johnson Rocks. So the the uh, northern shoreline of Jekyll Island was armored uh, in the 1960s and 70s with granite rock, and um, o- over time, uh, portions of that uh, had become um, uh, dysfunctional and, and damaged by storms, particularly Hurricane Matthew and Hurricane Irma. And um, and and while you know today we we're much more careful about our decisions to to maybe armor uh, shoreline anew. In this case, you had uh, already armored shoreline that was pretty critical to protect uh, homes and not doing its job. Um, and so we we made the decision to go ahead and, and uh, rehabilitate that structure. So when you that's a word I haven't heard before, armored. But are we talking about? Uh, I guess in my, you know, in my vernacular, a, a jetty, a rock. A, 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 when you talk about armor, what do, what do you mean? Sure. Yeah. So you can picture this as uh, if, if you can picture a rock jetty, uh, but but more uh, parallel to the shoreline and, and built up against it. So not sticking out into the ocean, but uh, but alongside the shoreline. Uh, and and you know, today we were um, with with conservation and and environmental awareness. We're we're careful about how we we change natural shorelines and 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 harden them. Uh, and generally, a softer approach is preferred from an ecological perspective. But in this case, this structure existed, uh, and and there was really no constituency that was standing up and saying, "Hey, let's let's get rid of it." So, it doesn't do anybody any good to have a pile of rocks in the middle of the beach that's that's not doing anything. Uh, and so, it was uh, in the public interest to repair the structure, and we've been working on that. For several years now, last summer was the uh, the rock work was completed, uh, building the structure back to its original design height and specifications, and uh, and this summer has been a parade of, of sand trucks coming uh, onto the island uh, all summer long, backfilling the sand behind the rocks to uh, give it its original strength. Maybe there's listeners that they don't know the history of the island. There, maybe they haven't been to Jekyll. Maybe they. I find that a lot of folks have moved into Atlanta. They've never really enjoyed the Golden Isles. Maybe they they go to Florida, they go to North Carolina, they go to South Carolina and vacation. But Jekyll Island itself is a state park, right? It's a it's a very unique island in the sense that the state owns all of it. Explain how that works. Yeah, Jekyll Island is is uh, is a unique park. Sometimes we've we've uh, we've joked that it's a state park with special needs. Uh, so we're uh, unlike the uh, state parks. Most of them in Georgia are part of the state park system that's operated by Georgia Department of Natural Resources, and they do a great job. Uh, there's um, three places in Georgia that are state parks, but are set up uh, by the state with their own freestanding authorities, and that's Jekyll Island uh, and uh, Stone Mountain and Lanier Islands. Uh, and then Jekyll, Jekyll is uh, unique in that we're, um, we're expected to be financially self-sustaining. So none of our operating budget uh, comes from state tax dollars. It's generated locally from the parking fee that folks pay when they come onto the island, from revenues generated by this convention center that we're sitting in now, um, from our other amenities on the island like uh, the water park. Uh, mini golf, believe it or not, is a, is a big uh, revenue generator, our campground. Um, and so all of those things and uh, um, uh, fees from residents on the island. Um, and so all those things work together to allow us to do uh, the good work that we're doing in, in conservation and other areas. 
So the armoring or rearmoring, I guess, of the island is is really done in order to protect the northern end of the island from erosion. How bad is that erosion uh, over the last number of years? Well, it depends on exactly where you are, but it's, uh, a lot of folks might be familiar with Driftwood Beach on Jekyll Island if if, uh, if they've been here. And and Driftwood Beach exists in in uh, the way that it does with these. Um, very aesthetically beautiful uh, skeletal um, trees that are out on the beach itself. Those are trees that that um, were growing in you know in modern times and and you know thirty forty uh, or less years ago, um, and the soil eroded out from underneath them, and so uh, and that area is not armored, and and so that condition is the result of rapid erosion. You know, uh, as, as much as a meter, uh, maybe even two meters a year. Um, and so that erosion rate would be happening uh, further south where there are homes uh, that could be threatened uh, if the revetment were not there. And so all barrier islands uh, have portions of their shoreline that are naturally erosional and accretional, uh, and, and the area that's armored, there's natural erosion as a factor, and then there's uh, aspects of the landscape which people have modified over time which also contribute to that. So it's complex. Let's talk about the second project. Uh, that that I was involved in, and that is the approval of some solar from a larger perspective that we did at the commission uh, that Jekyll Island Authority took advantage of and, and was able to get some solar on a part of your island that probably most folks don't even know exists, a land, an old landfill back there that you've reclaimed and, and made made a great story out of. Tell us a little bit about your solar facility. Absolutely, yeah, it's a great story, and and really just uh, came together uh, with the support of a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of good folks, including uh, you all, at Public Service uh, Commission, and um, and Georgia Power, and in the private sector with uh, Cherry Street Energy and and Radiant Solar. Um, so there's a landfill on Jekyll Island. Uh, it's not an active landfill. Uh, it was uh, a, a construction and demolition debris landfill that was uh, that was closed and, and retired, so to speak, uh, in the mid 1990s. And uh, part of that, it's, it's capped with a, two feet of soil. And part of that we've utilized over the years for uh, basically a vegetation debris um, collection area filled up with big trees from one side to the other after the hurricanes. Uh, but another part of it, about uh, four or five acres, um, had not been, been touched in some time and was not being utilized. And we, uh, we identified that there was an opportunity through the READY program, if we could uh, find a big enough area for at least a one uh, megawatt array, um, that we could potentially see some significant uh, solar on Jekyll Island, which is something that we had been looking for to achieve for quite some time. And, uh, and so this area on the landfill was perfect. You're not going to find anywhere else on Jekyll Island with our uh, land use restrictions in, in terms of uh, there's a certain area of Jekyll Island that can be developed, and, and we can't go beyond that. And so this land was already classified as developed, uh, and, and you're not going to find any other revenue-generating use for it. So uh, we, we applied, uh, or Radiant Solar applied through the, the READY program, and the project was selected by Georgia Power. We were thrilled about that, and, uh, and and the rest is history. But we're really excited to be working with uh, with with Cherry Street on uh, trying to make this a, a pollinator uh, friendly facility and experimenting with different um, different uh, uh, approaches to managing the landscape around the panels to try to get some additional conservation value uh, out of the project. You know, I guess our last topic is something also that I'm very excited about and is something I see a lot of here on Jekyll, and that is electric vehicle chargers. Yeah. And Jekyll Island recently got their first uh, electric car, I guess, street street vehicle. You've had other plenty of other electric smaller vehicles, but you got your first uh, Ford Focus EV, and you've got a lot of, you've got a lot of chargers, yes, yeah, out in the parking lot right now. So tell us a little bit about uh, all the chargers that you have and just in our last minute and what um, what drivers of EVs could expect when they get to Jekyll Island. Absolutely. Yeah, we've, we've been excited uh, to, to be able to install a lot of chargers over the past um, two or three years. Um, uh, a lot of those were supported by Tesla. Uh, so we have uh, a fair number of Tesla-specific char- chargers out here, but also universal chargers uh, distributed 
all over the island. Um, we're at last count. I think we were getting close to 30 charging stations on the island, level two charging stations. And, uh, and so if you want to come to Jekyll and go to the beach, if you're coming to our convention center, uh, if you're staying at one of the hotels on the island, if you want to visit the historic district, you're going to have a place to plug in. And uh, I've, I've seen, since we've done that, I've seen the result in, in uh, electric, electric cars being more and more visible around the island. You know, the, my co-host John Noel uh, was involved with putting solar thermal on one of the older hotels here back in the day. Uh, that Holiday Inn is one of the few hotels in Georgia that has a European key card system that shuts off the power in some of the rooms when you pull the key out. So uh, that's, that's something that I wish we could do more of, but it's a, it's, a, it's a great energy efficiency measure. Well, we're at the end of our time. It's been great having Ben Carswell here. Uh, with me at the Jekyll Island Convention Center. You've been listening to Energy Matters on the Road. The electric car revolution is coming, and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to GemCarService.com. That's G-E-M, CarService.com. Tim Eccles here for Solar Sun World. No doubt you've seen solar panels popping up all over Georgia. If you want the precision of German engineering when it comes to solar, Solar Sun World is for you. The folks there understand the complexities of solar and how to make it work. From tax credits to inverters to accelerated depreciation, they'll unpack it all. They've been in business for over 25 years. To find out more, go to SolarSunWorld.com. That's SolarSunWorld.com.